Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Welcome again to Faith Assembly Church Online. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us. And again, it is a pleasure to come to you via the online format this morning and just share some time together. What a wonderful time we've already had in worship. I trust that wherever you are, that you took the opportunity just to bless the name of the Lord and praise Him and uh, give glory and honor to His name. But it's a privilege of mine at this moment to be able to share with you the Word of the Lord. And I'm going to need you, this is what I'm going to need you need you to do this morning. I'm going to need you to go ahead and share this message with someone right now. Uh, you, can, you can tag somebody in the comments. You can share it on their timeline, whatever you need to do, because I don't know who they are, and I don't know where they're at this morning or what they're going through, but I can promise you today that they need to hear this word. So, at the conclusion of our Resurrection Sunday message, and man, didn't our team do an amazing job with putting together that Resurrection Sunday service. I was so uh, excited to see that go out, and I trust that it was a blessing to you, and we're so thankful uh, for our amazing team here who put all that together. But at the conclusion of that message, I shared with you uh, a thought, and I said that I believe that God was permitting this current situation as a shaking to provide an opportunity for us to reevaluate the priorities of our lives. And as I came into the church on, on Monday morning, immediately following that service, and uh, began to spend some time in the presence of the Lord, uh, He immediately took me back to that thought. And I began to, uh, He began to minister to my heart in preparation for this moment. You know, there's a lot of speculation going around with regard to what the outcome of our present circumstances might be. A lot of people speculate as to the economic impact that this is going to have long term. People are suspicious with regard to the, uh, what this means for the international community. People are talking about the restrictions that we're currently facing and what that means for our liberties moving forward. And listen, when I'm talking about these things, understand this. My job my job right now in this moment, there are, there are a million, there's a plethora of things that I could speak to you about this morning. But my job in this moment is to shepherd you in the things of the Spirit. My job is to shepherd you in the things of the Lord. So I, I'm not so numb here this morning that I don't recognize that many of these things do merit our attention. But even so, let me challenge you with this. Let's not miss the forest for the trees, okay? Let's, let's keep our eyes. You know, the, the writer to the Hebrews says that we are to cast off the sin that does so easily beset us and run our race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So for this moment, for this time this morning, let's just set aside all of those other things and let's just focus on Jesus right here in this moment and let's consider what he's doing because while I'm not sure exactly what the media is trying to achieve and I'm not sure what the long-term economic impact of this thing might be and I, I don't mean this to be insensitive or to come across wrong please understand me here I don't know what the final results might be as far as infection rates and mortality rates and all those things um, but and and believe you me I don't know 
entirely what all the politicians are up to behind the scenes and, and the way things may or may not be trying to be manipulated. I, I, you know, I understand that. But one thing of which I'm sure is this, that in this season, in this season right now, God is trying to give us something. Come on, somebody, help me here on Facebook, on YouTube this morning, and give a shout to God that he is trying to give us something right now. God has something prepared for us today. I trust that you came this morning, that you've sat down in front of your TV, that you're there in your family room, your bedroom, wherever you are right now, maybe on a mobile device, and that you opened up this stream today with an expectant heart that God had a word, has a word for you today. So I hope that you're there with me, and I hope that you're here with a sense of expectation today. And if you believe that right now, if you believe that God has something for you, I want you to reach over to your neighbor right now and tell him, say, hey, God has something for me. Them folks making noise across the room, you tell them be quiet because right now God has something for you. You tell your neighbor in, or in the comments right now, just go ahead and drop a comment right there on Facebook or YouTube and say, hey, I know, I believe that God has something for me. God wants to give me something today. If you believe God's up to something right now, why don't you just take about 10 seconds right now. I challenge you right now in your living room to just take a break right now and give God 10 seconds of your highest praise and just give him glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are trying. God, when it seems like the world is trying to strip away and take away and rob, God, that you are there working in the middle of it all and you are trying to give us something today. God, I pray that every heart and every mind would just be cleared right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, that we would be focused intently on you, ready to receive from your hand of goodness, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, listen, I'm not suggesting in any regard that we need to turn a blind eye to the things that are going on in the world around us. And yes, we need to be vigilant in safeguarding our liberties but I don't want to be so busy, worried about, guessing about what may or may not take place in this world that I miss what God is wanting to do right now in my very heart and in my very life. Yes, sir, I believe that God is up to something. Oh, my goodness. If you have your Bible with you this morning... I want you to turn with me, however, your Bible, your Android, your iPhone, however you get to the Scripture, I want you to turn with me quickly here to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, it's near the back of the uh, New Testament. Uh, you'll see a book there by the name of James, and I want you to look with me in chapter 1. Now, how many of you have ever heard somebody say something and your immediate response to what they said was, say what? What? Did I just hear you say what I think I heard you say? I'm going to tell you right now, we're, fixing, we're getting ready to read a scripture here in just a second. And when we get done reading it, that's exactly what your thought's going to be. You know, I read things in the scripture sometime and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, wait, let me... Let me look back at this again and be sure that I've understood what the Scripture is saying. And this is one of those instances here when James says to us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if you're like me, you read that and you're thinking, James, hey, buddy, could you back that up one more time? Did you just say what I think you just said? James, did you say that we are to count it all joy when we face various trials? Is that what you said? Man, what is wrong with you? Who counts it all joy when we fall into various trials, when we have hardships and trouble comes our way? Listen, James, James did just say that we are to, and James says this under the inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit, that you and I as believers are to count it all joy when we face various trials. And to almost make matters worse, if we read this verse from the New Living Translation today, it actually makes this statement. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. <laughs> consider it an opportunity for great joy. So this is how I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today that God is wanting to give you something through all of this that you didn't have previously. Let me tell you something. There was something lacking in your life in January and February, maybe back in December. Maybe, maybe it's been for a good season now. Maybe it's been for an even longer while, an extenuated period of time. That right now in this season, God is trying to give you something something that you hadn't previously had before. God is trying to pour something into us. He's always at work, as we sing here oftentimes, even when we don't see it, he's still working. So this is one of those scenarios for sure. And you know, you're going through a great trial right now. God is wanting to give you something. It feels like things are being stripped away, but God is wanting to give you something. It looks like a negative situation, but in fact, all things are working together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. And if you and I are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in this season, it is actually a great opportunity, just like James says that it was. So you're hearing this message today and you're saying to me, Pastor Steve, listen, you don't, I don't think you understand the scope of what I'm going through. I don't think you know the magnitude of the weight that is pressing on me in this moment. But I'll tell you this, if you can describe an opportunity that relates to what I'm going through right now, then I'll be happy to listen. And to you today, if that's what you're thinking, if that's what you're saying, then I just simply counsel you this way and say, hold on. Hold on, because we're going somewhere this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? I want to share with you right now what James is saying is this. James is saying to us, one way that we might translate trial is a word that we're hearing a lot about in, in our world today, in our society, and it's the word crisis. And James is actually saying to us here that crisis can be a good thing. Crisis can be a good thing. Now, I want to... I want to share with you an illustration today, a couple of elements that are going to help us understand a couple of elements of crisis. And if you're taking notes, please write these few things down. Because crisis presents opportunity in a number of ways. Number one, crisis reveals content. 
Now, I brought a little friend along with me today to help me illustrate this point. And this is my friend here. I, I thought of several names, but uh, none of them that I chose for this, uh, you know, for an official purpose here. So, but this is my little friend right here, and he's going to help me illustrate this word here today. Listen, we spend most of our lives, if this bowl here represents life situations and circumstances, in other words, they represent the things of the natural world that are happening around us and to us. And if we were to be honest right now, we may, we may read a little devotion in the morning, and we maybe say a quick word of prayer, but we spend the majority of our time and our lives absolutely immersed in the situations and circumstances of this life. Now, I'm going to leave my little friend right there for just a few minutes because, as we talk about this thing, because, you know, we spend most of our lives, as I said, immersed in these circumstances and situations, and sometimes, you know, God just needs to tap the brake to get our attention. But we spend a lot of time concerned with family matters and work-related issues, and we, we look at, you know, we spend time consumed with current affairs and the realities of our world. We think about the extenuating circumstances and factors of, of life, and we calculate life situations, and we converse about things going on in the world, and we meditate on such things continuously, and as a result of being immersed in those things, we also draw from those positions of life, and we marinate in the circumstances of this life. And, and even though we're, we're full of those things, we've had enough teaching. Now, here's what happened. This is, listen, listen to me, Christian. Can I, can I be real with you this morning? Can, can Pastor Steve just talk to you in, in real life right now for just a few moments? Because here's what happens. We, we immerse ourselves and we're saturated in life situations and circumstances and we, we absorb things. Life brings us disappointments. Life leads us through places that make us fearful about tomorrow. Life will, will hand us discouragement and despair and defeat. And we, we will absorb those things into our spirit. But this is where I want to get real with you here this morning. My little friend here, he's got a smile on his face. Oh, he's a happy fella. Now, he is full. He is completely saturated this morning with all of life's situations and circumstances. Oh, my goodness, he's so full of what has been happening to him and around him that he's just almost dripping with it here this morning. Now, but here's the deal. Even though my friend is here and he's saturated and he's smiling, he's got enough of a sense of dignity, he's got enough of a sense of pride, he's got enough of a little bit of a word in him that he knows how he's supposed to look, how he's supposed to behave, how he's supposed to represent, even though inside he's saturated with the cares and the concerns of this world, he knows what he's supposed to look like. You see, the truth of the matter is, Christian, that the majority, the majority of our life's responses or our actions in the world are calculated responses. 
oh yeah, yeah, we, we put on, you know, we, the, the, our, our families could be wrecked. We could be going through hell and high water in our personal lives. But when we come out on Sunday morning, when we see our Christian friends, oh, we still got that smile on our face. This little painted on smile right here on the front of my friend. We still got this little smile painted on our face. And we're looking like everything's good. Oh, every once in a while a little drop will come out and our humanity begins to show through. But we just excuse ourselves and we tell people that we're only human. We don't let them know what's really going on on the inside. We just excuse it with, with, with different excuses that we come up with. But the truth of the matter is we are absorbed in our life situations and circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on on the inside. We've got to look a certain way on the outside. It doesn't matter how bad we're hurting on the inside. We've got to behave a certain way in front of others. It doesn't matter how anxious we are. We've got to keep a certain appearance for those who are around us. And to a degree, we can. As long as everything's on the even keel, as long as life is somewhat and relatively normal, we can. It's hard to tell right now how much of the circumstance and the environment has affected this sponge. Because on the outside, he's smiling and he's looking good. Oh, but crisis... Crisis is going to come along, and crisis is going to give him a little squeeze. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this little fabricated smile right now that he's been putting out to the world, all of a sudden crisis is going to come along, and it's going to wipe that artificial smile off of his face, and it's be going, to, going to begin to crush him, and it's going to begin to press him, and it's going to begin to bring to the surface and reveal on the outside what has been on the inside all along. And, and we've got... We've got, we've got our little friend here, and now all of a sudden what was on the outside is now being revealed on the in, on, what was on the inside is now being revealed on the outside. Now, now all of a sudden, he's not there with a calculated response anymore. He's not saying anymore, well, praise God, he's working all things together for my good, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. When the crisis comes, when the crisis comes and the crisis begins to squeeze, that's when we're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do if things don't soon get better. And the doubt and the fear begin to be being wrung out of us and it begins to surface and things that we've ignored forever are now coming to the forefront and they're refusing to be ignored anymore. And we're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do if things don't start getting better. I, I, I don't know. I may lose my mind if things don't soon turn around. And we're calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, listen. Listen, you want to understand why James says that it's a great opportunity when crisis comes our way. It's because crisis will always reveal Content. Content. And if you'll pay close attention in this season of crisis, the thing that you may see coming out of you, the things that are beginning to pour out of your own self right now, you may begin to recognize that what's being revealed in your life, 
what's being revealed in your life right now might be the underlying thing that's been keeping you in anguish and defeat for a long, long time, but you had suppressed it. You had put the fake smile on. You had ignored it as long as you could. You were always able to keep it tucked in, but now crisis has entered. Down deep in your heart, you knew that it was there, and you'd been suppressing it, but now crisis has come, and you begin to feel that squeeze, and it's coming out, and it won't be ignored any longer. Here's what some of us may be finding right now in the present situation. You may well have found out that while the Bible says that the just shall walk by faith, oddly enough, you just lost your job and the bills kept coming in and it kept coming in. And now your every waking moment is filled with anxious thoughts. And it turns out, as it turns out, what's being revealed in your life right now is that you were more, trust, you were more comfortable trusting the system than you were trusting in God. Turns out that you are more reliant on your job than you are the mighty hand of God. Turns out you're more comfortable and, and you're more comfortable with your future being uh, in, the, in, in, in the things around you than resting solely in the providence and promises of God. You're finding out that you don't enjoy so much walking by faith after all. You don't enjoy walking by faith as much in practice as you enjoy saying it in theory. Now, you see, there's a lot of things that sound good in theory. There's a lot of things that sound good in theory. Listen, joy unspeakable and full of glory sounds great in theory. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. That is, thank you, Jesus. It sounds great in theory. Peace that passes all understanding sounds really good in theory. Receiving by faith sounds really good in theory but here's the problem Jesus didn't come suffer and die for you and I to have theoretically agreements he came for us to have an experiential victory that we would rise up over the adversities of life and that we would be able to tread on the serpents and the scorpions and that we would be able to stand in the middle of the adversity and say with not just because we happen to know it and recite it from memory but from the depths of our heart yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for he is with me his rod and his staff they comfort me listen he's prepared a table for me he's prepared a table for you right now in the middle of COVID-19 in the middle of your layoff he has prepared a table for you and your cup is about to run over right now in Jesus' name. I declare it over your life. I declare it over your family. I declare it over your finances. I declare it right now in Jesus' name that your cup is about to, I told you that God has something in store for you. I hope you didn't tune into a live stream to be entertained today. I hope that you tuned in today for a word from the Lord. And his word for you today is that he's trying to give you something. I declare to you today that your cup's about to run over. You see, God uses natural phenomenon. God uses natural phenomenon. My friend, he's constantly marinating in the worries and the concerns of life. But God uses natural phenomenon. He allows things 
to come into our lives to begin to squeeze us and begin to press us, to show us. He uses these natural phenomenon and these crises of life to begin to squeeze us and reveal to us spiritual realities. The songwriter once wrote this, life is easy when you're up on the mountain and, and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. Oh, but things change when you're down in the valley. You see, when you're down in the valley, life begins to squeeze and it begins to press you and it begins to reveal things about the content of your heart and of your mind. You didn't know that doubt was there on the mountaintop, but you're finding it out now. You didn't know that fear and anxiety were bound up in your heart on the mountaintop, but you're finding it out now. Maybe you didn't know that lust and envy were present on the mountaintop, but you're finding it out now. Maybe you didn't know that pride was there on the mountaintop, but you're finding it out now. Now you're in the valley, and the squeeze is being applied to your life. And suddenly you're forced to reckon with things that the Spirit of the Lord is revealing to you as your source of defeat. Mm. Now let me tell you about the second thing. The second thing that crisis always does for us is that crisis gives us the opportunity to free up capacity. You see, in, in the 51st Psalm, we see David crying out to God. And he's calling out to God and he's saying, purge me, O Lord. Purge me. In other words, empty me. Clean me out, oh God. Make me clean. And the reason for this prayer is that David has just passed through a season of crisis. There have been a succession of crises in David's life. First of all, something was happening spiritually with David where he wasn't taking care of the business, his God-anointed, God-called business, and he was standing on his rooftop when he should have been at battle. That's our first indicator that something was going on and going wrong in David's life. And, and this, this 51st Psalm is born out of a series of events that begins when David fell in adultery with Bathsheba. Now, I need you to understand that Bathsheba was not the beginning of lust in this man's heart. Oh, it was there on the mountaintop. But soon David's going to find himself in a valley where this thing is going to be revealed. It had already been there. Listen, he didn't accidentally fall into adultery with this woman. It was not a, a momentary heat of passion sort of thing. This adulterous fleeing was a moment of crisis that revealed the content of a man's heart. Now, I'm not saying that David was all bad, and we know, we know absolutely the opposite from Scripture, that he was, at the core of it, a man after God's own heart. But listen, if the, if the Scripture will let us in on the, on the ugly part of a man's life and still identify him as a man after God's own heart, then how much more important is it for you and I to guard our hearts today and allow the Holy Spirit to search us and know our hearts? Listen, I'm not saying that David was all bad, but I am saying that there were things present with him that were not good. David was a warrior. David was a warrior, had been since his youth, but David was not a murderer. As a matter of fact, here's a man who had opportunities to kill his enemies before, but he didn't for the sake of honoring God. But now he's in a crisis. Now he's in a crisis and he has an innocent man killed in order to cover up his own transgressions. 
It was a crisis point in David's life. He was still trying to ignore it all when the Lord sent a prophet by the name of Nathan. And there again was another crisis point in David's life as Nathan said to King David, Hey David, listen to me man, you're the rotten scoundrel who's a thief and a murderer. And these crisis situations begin to reveal to David the content of his own heart. And earlier on in that 51st Psalm, we see David crying out in repentance. He has recognized his sinfulness and he is confessing his sinfulness before God. And then the next thing that he's calling out for is what we read earlier, that David is before the Lord and he's saying, oh God, purge me. Purge me, wash me, clean me, get this junk out of my life. Crisis has brought these things to the forefront. I hadn't dealt with them before. I had ignored them. I had tucked them away. I had tried to just put them in the background. But now crisis has brought them to the forefront, and I have no choice but to deal with it. I have no choice but to deal with it. And God, I need you. I need. Listen, we can't deal with sin on our own. No, no, absolutely not. Our righteousness before God is as a filthy rag. But the word of the Lord says this in 1 John 1, 9, that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to purge us, to extract from us the unrighteousness of our own character. And he was, here's, here's why this is so important. The crisis reveals the content of our heart. We realize, James says, that when we meet crisis, that it's going to set us up with an opportunity for us to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And we need to, what, what we need to realize in this moment is that we need what the Lord has to give. Oh, yes. Yes, we need what the Lord has to give us in this moment. We're, we're so full of life situations, circumstances, things that we weren't even aware of, but maybe we were aware of them, but, but we had suppressed and put to the back, and all of a sudden crisis comes along, begins to squeeze, and, and Jesus is on the other side. Now here's the life-giving water. Oftentimes in Scripture, Jesus is depicted as life-giving water. He said to the woman at the well, woman, if you only knew who it was that's asking you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink. And Jesus is trying to pour things. I want you to say it with me one more time. God's trying to give me something. God's trying to give me something. Here, let me, let me illustrate this for you. But when God's trying to give us something and we're so full of other things, there's no place, there's no room for receipt. We don't have any more capacity. It doesn't matter what God's trying to pour into our lives. We can't receive it because we're so full of other things. But when crisis comes... And it begins to squeeze us. And we begin to deal with these things. It begins to free capacity in our lives. And we can find ourselves like David. We can say, oh, hey, wait a minute. I, oh, I knew I had had some impure thoughts, but I didn't know that was in there. I, I knew that I had struggled in the past, but I didn't know that was it. I know that I had had some pride in my life, in my heart, but I didn't know it was to that magnitude. But crisis has brought it out, and crisis has pressed, and crisis has revealed it. And now we're able to say, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Purge me, O God. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I stand here right now ready and and willing for you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, God. Take it out of my heart because I'm ready to receive what you have to give, and what you have to give is peace, and what you have to give is joy. What you have to give is comfort and a sound mind. What you have to give me, Lord, according to Romans 12, 3, is the measure of faith that I need right now in this season to be able to trust you more. What you can give me is a righteousness that my works can't afford. But when I'm so enthralled with the circumstances of life, I don't have any more capacity to receive from the Lord. When we're full of other things, nothing else will fit. Now, but if we allow this pressing, if we allow this pressing to have its work in our lives, crisis affords the opportunity to free up our capacity to receive. And when you pass through the crisis, as we discussed last week, you're going to begin to reprioritize life. And you're going to begin to reevaluate life. And you're deciding what to leave in and what to take out. And like Paul, you're saying, listen, the things that I once thought were the prize, I now count them as the garbage because I've realized that when the heat of life sets in, those things aren't going to save me. Those things aren't going to sustain me. Those things aren't going to satisfy me. And you'll put it down. You'll put it down, and like David, you'll see that what that crisis is pressing out of you, and you'll cry, Lord, purge me. Purge me. Let everything that is not of Christ perish in my life. Let pride be destroyed. Let fear be vanquished, and let faith arise. Listen to me, church. Crisis. Don't back away from crisis because crisis is often God's vehicle for getting out of us the things that are keeping us from receiving what God has in store for us. And crisis, listen to me, crisis is a setup. (laughs) Oh yeah, crisis is a setup for receipt. That's right. Crisis sets us up for receipt. James says that as we pass through the trial, as we pass through the trial, it's going to have an effect on our lives that will allow the Lord to perfect us. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Understand that. It does, there's nowhere in scripture that ever says until we get to heaven that we're going to be perfect. Here in this life, we're still going to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. We're still going to be reliant on the redeeming, atoning work of Christ to to do a work, a continual work in us, transforming us and changing us more and more into the image of Christ. But what that does mean is that we're going to be more like Christ. And and one definition of that word used here to perfect is mental and moral character. And in writing to the Philippian church, Paul wrote to them and said, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Now I know that Paul goes on to contextualize that in a certain way and he contextualizes it towards servanthood. But listen, if we got the mind of Christ, we got the mind of Christ. And if we got the mind of Christ, we've got peace that passes all understanding. If we've got the mind of Christ, we've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
If we've got the mind of Christ, we have the mustard seed of faith to be able to say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be. We'll have the faith to walk beyond these circumstances and be able to pray, Lord, I'd rather for this cup to pass from me. But nevertheless, Lord, because I know that you're working all things together for my good. I know that the righteous have never been forsaken, nor his seed been seen begging for bread. I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able. Listen to me. When we have the mind of Christ, we're going to be walking in that way. And, and James here said, uses a word that talks about mental and moral character. And what he's saying is, once we allow that pressing in our lives, then it frees us up once we've got all the worry and the concern and all the things that we have absorbed out of life circumstances, once those things have been absorbed out of our lives, then we have the opportunity to begin having the mind and the moral character of Christ working in us sculpting us and molding us so that we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. Now what crisis will do for you and I is to reveal to us that there are deficiencies in our lives. Oh yeah, it, it lets us see how we really need the Lord. We need Him. You listen to me right now. You may be rejoicing right now and you may be looking to the government for a stimulus check, but you understand this. That's all well and good and I'm not here to, I'm not here to cast any stones in that direction because, we, hey, we all like a blessing. We don't care where it comes from, but listen to this. You don't need anything from the government right now. They can't secure your future. You don't need anything from the state. You don't need anything from any other agency. What you need to the supply the needs of your life is more of Jesus. What you need to supply the deepest longing in you is a closer fellowship with the Holy Ghost. What you need right now to sustain you through this season and to walk with you through the fire of the trial and to see you from point A to point B through the crisis is nothing that this world has to offer. What you really need is more of Jesus. You need what he's got to give. And I want to ask you this. What are you learning about yourself in the present circumstance? What have you seen flowing out of yourself as crisis has begun to squeeze, as uncertainty has begun to tighten its grip around your life and your heart and your mind, and the adversary has begun to prey on your thoughts and you're filling up with anxious moments? What are you learning about yourself? What have you learned about your level of personal peace? What have you learned about your source of joy? Were you trusting more in that job than you were in God? What have you learned? Is that, were the things now that were really bringing you joy, have they been swept away? Was it temporal? Because Jesus said, my peace I give not as the world gives peace. See, the world can only give temporal and fleeting peace. But Jesus gives peace everlasting. Jesus gives peace that passes all understanding. What have you learned about yourself? Listen, that sponge having been purged of its content now not only has the capacity to receive, but it's ready to receive. Let's go back to David in Psalm 51. And as David is there, David has recognized his deficiency. Crisis has brought him to the point of realization. He has realized his deficiencies. They have been made bare. 
in his life and he's been sensitive to the leadership and the direction the small still voice of the Holy Spirit to recognize these things he, he heeded the voice of the prophet and I'm coming to you in a prophetic voice right now and I'm telling you don't you turn a deaf ear to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in this moment of crisis but like David listened to Nathan you listen to this preacher today because if we're willing crisis is going to reveal to us deficiencies and when we find our deficiency and we're willing to confess our weakness, that's where we find the strength of Christ. This sponge, you see, having, having been purged of its content, it's got free capacity and now it's ready to receive. And David, David recognized his, his, his content was revealed. He was content, crisis purged him as we see him there praying and saying, oh God, purge me. Purge me, forgive me, cleanse me, oh God. Get this out of my life. Get this fear out of my life. Get this anxiety out of my life. Get this depression out of my life. And now he comes to this place and he says, God, he transitions here. He says, God, I, I'm, I'm ready for you to do a new thing in me. I'm ready. I, I've, I'm done. I'm done over here saturating everything that the world has been trying to pour in my life. Now I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you to pour into me. And he says, oh Lord, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Listen, he says, fill me with your Holy Ghost. Take me not away from your presence, O Lord. Hallelujah. Restore unto me the joy. Restore. Pour it in, God. Pour in the joy of your salvation, God. I'm ready now to receive it, O God. I was full of life situation and circumstance. But God, now I'm ready to be poured in. Pour into me the joy of your salvation. And now. Oh, now he's full. He's full. He's running over. He's full of the good things that the Lord has to give. He's saturated in the goodness and the presence of God. And let me tell you something right here, right now. I'm telling you, if you'll let God have this work in your life, you'll hit a shout right now in the living room floor. You, you're going to get a hold of something new in the Spirit if you'll let the Holy Spirit begin to crush you and begin to press you right now in the midst of this crisis and reveal, look, Jesus, is, it's no longer the life circumstance anymore. But when He's squeezed, it's Jesus, the life-giving water that comes out. He's saturated to the core. And He said, God, create in me a clean heart. Create, do fill me with your Holy Spirit. Oh, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Oh, and in the scriptures, one of the ways that Jesus characterizes himself, as I said earlier, is as life-giving water. And if you look quickly before we conclude here to John's gospel, the seventh chapter, John gives an account there that Jesus was attending a ceremony at the Feast of Tabernacles. And he specifies that it was on the eighth day. And the eighth day is significant because that is the day. That is the day of the ceremony when the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam. And they would take these big golden urns and they would fill those big golden urns full of water. And they would bring those things very ceremoniously and very solemnly into that assembly. And they would bring those 
those big golden urns in and they would begin to pour those urns of water out down around the base of the altar. And John tells us that as Jesus was sitting there watching all of this unfold on the last day of the great feast, Jesus begins to cry out and John records the following. And he says on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, mm. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, if anyone, that's you. That's you, that's you brother, that's you sister, that's you who are bound in alcohol and drugs right now. That's you who is bound by internet pornography and you've been allowing the enemy to prey on your mind. That's you who is wrapped up in all of the circumstances and the hurt of yesterday. You were abused, you were maligned, you've been downplayed all your life. But that's you, Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, oh, you've, you've had enough of this. You've had so much of this that you're sick of that soup. You don't want no more of that. But if you're thirsty, Jesus says, let it, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Here, my friend, have some of this. Jesus, have some of this life-giving water right here. Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> and listen to this. Look at this. Look at this. And Jesus says, out of his inmost being. Oh, it's, 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 he's squeezed a little bit. It's not hurt. It's not pride. It's not anxiety that's coming out of him anymore. I want you to look at this. It's life-giving. It's crisp. It's clean water. It's not, it's not any of that other stuff. It's not pride and arrogance. It's not hurt and disappointment anymore. But it is the life-giving water because Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come to me. And as the Scripture has said, Out of his inmost being there will flow rivers of living water. And I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but when I get squeezed, when I get squeezed, I want Jesus to come out of me. Oh, no, 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 listen, I don't want the circumstances of my life to come out. I don't want the hurt of yesterday to come out. I don't want bitterness to come out. I don't want hate and resentment to come out. I want Jesus to come out. I don't want fear and anxiety to flow out of me. I want a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind to flow out of me. Listen, everybody's in a rush. If there's one thing, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that the Spirit of the Lord has been impressing upon me through all of this, it's this. Everybody's in a rush to get back to normal. Everybody wants to return to normal. And I get that. I understand that if businesses are hurting, there are people, they need to go back to work. I, I understand that. Don't, don't write me that letter. As I said, I'm not here to discuss those things. I'm shepherding you in the spirit right now. And, and this is a spiritual principle here. Yes, we do need things in the natural to return and somewhat resume to some resemblance of normalcy. I get that. But everybody's in a rush to return to normal. And I'm telling you, church, it grieves my heart for the church of the living God to pass through this crisis and pass through this season with a blinded eye towards the things that God wants to do in your heart and in your life and throughout the body of Christ right now and come out on the other side of it being normal. I'm tired of normal. I don't want any more normal. I want God to do a new thing in my life. I want God to do a new thing in my heart. I want God to stir us and shake us and create in us something like we've never seen before.
I need him. I need him right now. Listen, listen, I don't, I, 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 I don't want to get back there. I don't want to go to that place. Listen to me. Hey, when you show back up, when we open the doors, when we open the doors and you can come in and you can gather here in this place, listen, I don't expect to see anybody looking at their watch wondering when the service is going to be over. Listen, you should have been gleaning an appreciation for the assembling of the saints and the sharing together with those of like precious faith. You should have been had, a, had a, an appreciation growing in your heart for the things of God. Absence should have made the heart grow fonder. I don't want to return to normal. I want to return to this place. I don't, want to, I don't want to come back in here talking about liberty in the Spirit. I want to come back in here living liberty in the Spirit. I don't want to come back in here talking about exuberant worship. I want to come back in here practicing exuberant worship. I don't want to come back and fall into the routine. I want to forever have my expectation challenge that God is going to do a new thing in our midst. Listen, and understand this. Understand this. This uh, I got. I got one final. I got one final piece here, and that's this. Listen, I showed you earlier that when we're so full of this, this living water, we don't have room. We don't have capacity to receive it. This is what I want to show you right here. When we immerse ourselves in the goodness of God, when we immerse ourselves and we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we allow our lives to be saturated with the sweet presence of God. I feel somebody being baptized in the Holy Spirit right now. I feel you right now. You're allowing God to move in your heart and life. Let him have his way right now. Let him saturate your being. Let him fill you to overflowing right now. But let me show you this. When you're so full, when you're so full of the life-giving water that Jesus has to give, the, the adverse is true, that when the life tries to, to dump on you, you don't have any room or capacity to receive that either. It just runs off of you because you're so full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You're over here just saying, Jesus, look, I've been squeezed again. I need a fresh refilling. Life has come in. Crisis has come in. I'm being squeezed. Jesus is running out. Fill me up again. And let me show you something here. You might notice there's a little tent to this water right here. You might see that because it doesn't all happen at one time. But I can promise you that the more you stay out of this and the more you stay into this, that the more life presses and the more life squeezes, the more you're going to begin to resemble Christ. The more that what runs out of you when you're pressed is going to resemble the goodness of God. It's going to resemble that life-giving water that Christ has been pouring into your life. And all you've got to do is wait before the Lord and call out to Him. And He said, any man that thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And as the Word declares out of his inmost being, there's going to flow rivers of living water. Come on, somebody. Get on your feet right now. Get on your feet and begin to praise God and say, Lord, search me, O God, and know me and see if there's any unclean thing in me. Purge me, O God. Wash me, O God. Lord, increase my capacity to receive from you and fill me to overflow and stretch your hand to heaven right now and begin to pray, Holy Spirit, I yield my life to you. I yield my tongue to you. I yield my being to you. Have your way with me, O oh God. Fill me, refresh me, restore me right now in the presence of Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. 
Now listen, just because you've been, you're, you're being pressed right now, or just because you've been pressed in the past, don't think it won't happen again, because it will. It will. But we've been filled with the Spirit of God. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. And life then becomes a cycle of press, purge, and repeat. Press, purge, refill, and repeat. Press, purge, refill, and repeat. And we can over and over daily come to Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, baptize me afresh with the fire of God. Let your life-giving water reign in my life. Oh, God, fill me to overflowing in the name of Jesus and receive of the good thing that he wants to give. Listen to me. I know that life is troublesome. I understand that. I'm not an ostrich. I don't have my head stuck in the sand. But I'm telling you this. God knows where you're at. And God knows where you're living. And if you will be faithful to him in this moment, and you will look to him as the author and the finisher of your faith, he will see you through this. And he will purge you of all of the worry, the anxiety, and the fear. And he will fill you with power and boldness in the power of the Holy Ghost right now where you are. Listen to me. I'm passionate today and I'm excited about this message. But I'm not angry. I'm not angry at anybody. As a matter of fact, my heart's breaking right now because I know there's somebody that's watching this message this morning. And you don't know Jesus. And you're having anxious moments in your life. And you don't know what it's like to walk with the great shepherd. But today I want to give you this invitation and say to you that if you will simply pray a prayer with me, believe in your heart that he is Christ and that he has died for your sins and that he is resurrected, ascended and seated at the right hand of God, then if you will confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. We can make of it whatever we want to, but the scripture simply says that if we believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth and we surrender our lives to him, that he becomes our Lord and King and our Savior in that moment. And we are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. So would you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Father, I come to you in the strong name of Jesus and I confess that I'm a sinner. God, I ask you to wash me and make me whiter than snow. Purge me, God, of the iniquity. Purge me of my sins and fill me with the goodness that your grace provides. Father, I receive it right now in Jesus' name and I yield my life to your hand from this day forward. And we ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer today, we believe that you were born again. If you've got a testimony right now, go ahead and drop it. The Holy Spirit's been putting things in your heart right now during this sermon. Go ahead and drop it in the comment section below. Let the world know what God is giving to you in this moment. Listen, God wants to give you something. God wants to give you something right now. Don't you worry about what the world's taking away from you in this moment. You concern yourself with what God wants to give you right now. Because if we will allow crisis and trial to have its work in our lives and we cling to the mighty hand of God, He will do a work in our lives and in our hearts that will satisfy us. And we will be perfected. We will be more like Christ. And we will be complete in Him. In Jesus' name. Well, until next time, I'm Pastor Steve, and I am praying that you have a Jesus-filled week. God bless you. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.